Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. This week's Can't Find My Way Home features part two of my interview with James Harris. James, originally from Manchester, has called Prague home for 20 plus years. He's recorded and performed all over Europe and North America. As well as several film scores to his credit, James has also had his music featured in US, Polish, Spanish, Danish and Czech film and TV productions. We talk about being in the right place at the right time when it comes to opportunities, writing for soundtracks, and the uncanny knack of being able to write a hit during a lunch break. Turns out it's harder than some people might think. In an excellent top five, there's Harry Styles, Elvis and Keith Richards, new music from Noga Eras and Arlo Parks, as well as the Slovakian singer Katarzia. All this and drinking tea at the Roxy in Los Angeles. Let's get right to it. James Harris. So I just put out a new record. It lasts February. And, and since I wasn't able to tour it or do anything with it, it still, to me, feels kind of new. And this stuff isn't, I think for me to put this out, I think it would be, I know it sounds kind of old school and why do it like that anymore? There's so many different ways of doing it. But with this new stuff that I've got, I think it's, for me to put it out needs to be like an advert for for shows, you know. For solo shows, probably too, because it's kind of quiet and more acoustic. So I think it would work if there was a bunch of shows lined up where I could use it to advertise or sell, you know, sell the shows, like an old school, the reason to put out a record. Because if I think I put this out now, these songs are certainly not going to, they'll never get any radio play. It's just not suited for the radio, you know, um, or less, you know, like four o'clock in the morning on some alternative station somewhere. Therefore, I think it would just get lost. I guess. And I'm in, I mean, I'm in no rush, you know, having said that I might make some rash decision next week to <laughs> put a song out or something. I don't know. But I've got this film coming up too. I got this film coming right. up and maybe there's a film soundtrack at the end of the year. There was talk with a producer over the phone about, he mentioned the word soundtrack and a bit like, yeah, whatever. I haven't seen the film yet. So I've not started with it. I don't know if it, I think it'll need a few songs in it because it's a kind of a comedy thing. So maybe there's a maybe there'll be a, a soundtrack to a film coming out in like October or something. So it, it I think it would be too much for me to try and put a, a record out now and then in October when when I still feel I've got this thing that at least in, I'm still clinging to the idea that it's a new record, <laughs> even though in <laughs> 22 it's like oh that's really old man like yeah yeah. So I, I've got no need. I've got no rush. So I, I don't know. So I have no plans. You know. Also, the whole thing about putting out a record, it requires money. Even if you don't make CDs, or you know, if you don't make a physical thing, if you want people to know about it, you've got to get the PR. You've got to get the you know the whole thing. It, it does cost a bit of cash, and therefore you have to have a reason, I think, to do it. I mean, I could put it out on Bandcamp, but I don't know. Maybe I think I'll wait. <laughs> I don't know. You were talking about the the 
writing soundtracks and things like how did that all come about i mean was that a a, a chance meeting with someone or was it something you absolutely kind of absolutely thought about doing no a complete chance meeting really I was in a studio here in Prague many, many years ago making what I was probably turned out to be my first solo record, a second solo record. It was like a three-floor building, and on the top floor there was like a film production place, but they also had like kind of Foley studio, I think, up there um, with a, and voiceover kind of stuff. And I was in a... It was. It wasn't really a studio. In fact, the studio I was recording the record in wasn't really a music studio. It was a bit too dead for my liking. But you know, at the time I didn't have much choice, and I was grateful for the opportunity to get in there at a, a, a very competitive rate. So like, but there was a guy <laughs> up the top floor who'd heard that I was an Englishman doing an album or making music down there. So he, they came down asking. He was a a film director that had been doing, he hadn't made any films yet, I don't think, but he'd made lots of adverts. He was out of film school, he was making adverts. And there's the Cannes Film Festival, but there's also the Cannes Advertising Festival. And he needed a showreel to get sent to Cannes. And so he asked me to, if I'd overdub the taglines for these adverts for him so he could send the showreel off for him. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get chatting to him. And what are you doing? Oh, I'm, yeah. So I played him a song, the song that we was working on. I said, I really like that. I really like that. I'm I'm just getting the script together for my first film. I'm trying to find, he was trying to find funding for his first film. And I think he gave me, did he give me a copy of the script then? Maybe. I certainly remember reading the script. And I remember the opening, the opening of the script was a helicopter descends over a sort of mountain. I'm going, this is your debut film. <laughs> I was like, good luck. This thing's never <laughs> going to get made. But I said to him, yeah, yeah, it was just like, just, just the page three. Like, wow, this is, I'm not a filmmaker, but this just seems nuts. It's just like, you know, the opening scene of a Bond movie or something where they'd splash the entire budget of, 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 especially it was a, you know, like a low budget check film. This isn't going to work. I know. Good luck. But if you do need any music, let me know, you know. And lo and behold, like about, I don't know how many months later, I can't remember. It's all a bit of a blur. I... I got a phone call from a guitar player in a quite a famous Czech band saying that he was doing the soundtrack for this film because this guy had got lots of funding because people thought the idea was genius. It's like a teenage comedy. Like This is what's it, 2002. I hadn't really been living here that long, you know. And this director, I, I'm trying to do this song for this one scene. It was a sex scene. And I can't, I, you know, the director suggested you because he'd met you. And I said, oh, him. It's the film that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that <laughs> film. He goes, yeah, but I'm doing the music for it. I said, oh, yeah, of course, because he's like well-known and I'm, I'm, who the hell am I? And he goes, well, he, he, didn't seem, he didn't seem that keen on me doing it, but the director wanted me to have a go. So I went down to his studio. I remember he kind of basically, this is again a memory thing. His memory of, of the, the day might be different. But I remember this kind of, I got this vibe that the director was there. He was happy to see me because he kind of thought I'd come up with something, but there's all these other musicians and like film people in there. And I just got this vibe that they didn't really want me there. They just thought this was a waste of time, you know? So I think in my memory, they all vanished for, Oh, we're going for lunch. You know, I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'll stay here. Can you show me the scene? 
so I just had this scene on, on, which is kind of weird because it's a sex scene and it became slightly controversial maybe because I think both the actors were underage or something, but it's not, it's like a rom- light romantic teenage comedy. It was, it was not like it was a love scene, should I say, not a sex scene. So I had oh, this, okay. on, on, <laughs> I had this thing roll. It wasn't like, you know, <laughs> you didn't see anything, but um, you had this thing rolling. And I was like, oh, and they were out for lunch. I was like, well, I'm going to pull out all the stops here. So I, while they were having the break, I wrote this song and they came back and I said, I've got it. Yeah. But the guy's an electric guitar, but he didn't have an acoustic guitar, but he had like a big fat, like um, Gibson hollow body. So I asked him to mic it up and I'll play it on that. But I needed like a drum beat. And he would give us a drum beat. We had this, like a real kind of, I mean, a really, really, really simple beat. And the idea was like, this was the demo and we'd go to a big studio and re-record it and that. And he had, was, he had a tram stop as well. So you could hear these trams rumbling in the background. And it's just basically one take of me on an, on an electric guitar with my thumb doing this, with this beat and this horrible kind of st- string pad. But at the time I thought it was a horrible, you know, this kind of synth pad almost, you know. And they went, oh, this is actually quite good. We quite like this. Uh, then, well, we'll give you, we'll let you know. So then they called me up to go into a proper studio, the TV. So they called me up and said, would you go to the big studio in the TV and, and record this properly, you know, like that acoustic guitar. And But this this was the big desk and the tape machines. That's a huge space. This is the Studio A here. It's a big tower and they're big fluorescent lights on. So I said, can you, would you turn the lights off and just give me like a desk lamp or something? I just, just totally kill the vibe. It's like a real kind of intimate song for an intimate scene. So we recorded it and recorded it. And I was like, you know what? I think the demo's better. You know, just choose that. And that ended up in the film. And it's it repeats in the film several times. And it became a big part of this film. And uh, actually, I don't do podcasts very often, but I did a podcast before Christmas with a – he's actually an English, English Czech fella. He was like, so how old is he? Maybe – this is 2002. And this is like a big teenage film. It, it was like massive. The soundtrack came out and they went like double platinum or something. You know what I mean? It was like, it was nuts. And he, but even today I get people who are like, I guess 30 going, oh, that song, you know, uh, I remember making out to that song. It's like, it's, oh, it's my girlfriend's favorite song. It's like this big song because this film was kind of popular. That age group, you know, anyone between, I guess, 14 and Eight, eight, 19 or something. It was like a, a film that people would go to the cinema like two or three times to go see. Do you know what I mean, it was like that that big thing. Like and a I think, coming of age movie. Yeah, definitely. A, it's like, you know, uh, what's it? Ferris Bueller's Day Off or or Back <laughs> okay. to the Future. Kind of, I mean, I'm not saying it's that good. I'm not, but, but you know, it's that kind of, <laughs> and it's not, it, it wasn't really, I don't even know if it's a good film. I think it's a well-made film, but it wasn't really my it wasn't made for me, do you know what I mean? But it obviously had a big impact on people. But more importantly for me, and that's what I think what kickstarted the whole thing off, is this, that uh, somebody then called me up because then kind of I think people assumed that I could write a song while everyone goes, well, just go out and get a, a sandwich. And when we come back, he'll have had a song. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, is bullshit. <laughs> you know, oh, he's good. We need a song <laughs> to win breakfast. Like Let's call him. Which, of course, it doesn't work like that. I was just down there. I thought, wow. And it was a moment of inspiration mixed with a moment of bollocks to you because I got this vibe that didn't really want me to do it. So I was like, the competitive right. thing came. I'll fucking show you. Kind of, you know, mixed with, <laughs> you no, know, I think I might have, you know, it wasn't completely that, but I think I, I, think I might have some in here, you know. 
And then somebody else called me up a few months later. We've got this film. Do you have something? So I, I, I gave them something, you know. And then there was a there was a sequel to this film, which was actually awful, of course, as all part twos are. And right, I was yeah. just about to go on tour. I think I was off to America to make to to, to play and record a record. And I, my heart really wasn't in it. But I went round there and I did a an old. Uh, like American traditional thing. I think I got off a Woody Guthrie LP or something, but I just kind of did a stomping version or something. And then when I came back from America, they'd use that. That was the opening scene of this film. Now this like kind of four to the floor kind of traditional folk song, you know, but like done with electric guitar and just, I mean, it was just electric guitar and a, and a kick drum, you know, <clears throat> and then that was that, that got played. Can they put a soundtrack out of that? And I think just because of those two things, all of a sudden, sorry, all of a sudden, I was it. My I was in the film world, you know, for 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 doing for for being for doing a voiceover. With some guy's film reel for free. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, he looks. I'll help him out. Why not? You know, the the first film was called Snowboard, the Snowboarders, and the song's called Don't Pinch Me. Written in uh, record time. <laughs> I'll send you a link. It's, it must be, exist somewhere. I don't have it. In fact, there's the, another film that I wrote a song for, like another one I on the back of a, a beer mat in the cafe around the corner. Someone got Facebook messaged me the other day. I, Do you have the lyrics? I, I got to give this a lyrics. I know I don't have the lyrics. I wrote them. I wrote them on the back of a napkin, pretty much, and went into the studio, recorded them, and they've never sung it since. I'd have to dig the song out from somewhere and and transcribe them. I told them to do it themselves. You know. No, but that first one was the Snowboarders. That was it called. Um, and since then, there's been you know films from here, and then maybe you know, there was a Danish film, there was a Polish film, and then when I was in America, I got some two songs. I got a song called Dream off a record that I made in America that was on some te- the, if the season three finale of some American sitcom. And I think that was because I don't even remember why, how that happened. But, you know, with those chance meetings, you know, I think I was playing a, a gig in the Warwick Hotel in Los Angeles and some guy saw me, liked it, bought the CD and had something to do with the Warner Brothers a lot that were looking for songs and he just put it on. There was a compilation that used to go around. I'm, I'm not sure it does anymore. I mean, I'm not sure it exists. Obviously, if it did, it would be like a link. But then it was still mm. like a CD, and it was the Warner Brothers Lot CD or something. It was like a double CD. And I got this guy put a song on there, so that's why I get it. But I, I do remember seeing the track listing. I don't think I ever got the CD because that's industry. But I saw that it was like Paul McCartney on there, and you know these people, and, and in the middle me, you know. But it's one of those chance chance things you know like uh there's nothing i was ever chasing um not actively not like this year <laughs> this year i've kind of been out come on no, you know <laughs> if you don't try now i now i'd love someone to put a song in a film you know uh, but we'll see Before we get to the top five, James, uh, where can we find your music and where can we find you on social media and stuff as my connection goes a bit Pete Tong again? So give me a second. Alert. You can find me uh, on Spotify, I'm sure, James Harris Music. The Facebook is James Harris Music, and I promise I will try to be better about being on it. For the last 
corona time i was just trying to be avoiding social media it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't making me a happy man but now now i'm happy <laughs> now i will be back on it more and that's james harris music uh facebook and and that's about it really there's a jamesharrismusic.com which um i used to update concerts so that it'll be there'll be videos and some music and links to bandcamp bandcamp which i love in fact, if anyone wants to listen to anything, Bandcamp is probably the go-to. Um, exactly, it's a bit more uh, artist-friendly in this respect, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like Bandcamp. I like getting stuff off Bandcamp. It's definitely far more artist-friendly than Spotify. You know, you know, if someone buys a song on Bandcamp, it's worth you know a year's income on Spotify almost. You know, it's strange, but they are the way it works. The world we live in today. What is the top five? You can be spontaneous <laughs> as you like. So the first one would be a guilty pleasure. Someone you shouldn't like, but you do. Oh, uh, yeah, I do remember reading this. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm old enough not to feel guilty about listening to anything. I don't really have a guilty pleasure. But um, since my son was whistling or humming in the kitchen the other day, he was humming this song. I said, what's that? It's, um, it's actually a pretty naff song. Off a pretty good album though, because I listened to his album. It's off a guy called Harry Styles. He used to be in a boy band. Okay, which yeah, I right, knew yeah, the boy yeah, band. I know who. In Britain, you'd walk down the street and everyone, everyone would be wearing like One Direction shirts and they go, "What? Who the hell? One, one who?" It meant nothing to who? me. Right. And <laughs> no. yeah, but he's a singer or one of the singers. That was a boy band. I mentioned they were all. I didn't even know many really, but he was the singer in that. And I think he's got two albums out. And they're pretty good, you know. I the song I'd heard was called Watermelon Sugar. I think it was. Yeah, that was that's one my kid was. With. That's the one he was singing, okay. and right. it's not my favorite of the album. But he, it's a good album, and he's got a killer band as well. Because I typed it in, and one of the first things that came up was um, one of those Tiny Desk concerts. He's backing back. Yeah, yeah, great. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're like really, really good, and and he's good. I mean, he's really good. He's got a great voice. He's, I mean, he's charismatic. No wonder he's famous and popular. And yeah, you know, so guilty. I'm not guilty, but it would. It was certainly something if you'd have told me a few years ago. Like you'll, you'll like the, <laughs> the debut album of a of a guy that used to be in a boy band. I'd be like, I, I doubt it. That's I, I, <laughs> I very much doubt it. But it's really good. It's good. Praise indeed. Uh, favorite venue, James. Since earlier we were talking about some of the the many places that you've played in many countries and so on. What about is there a favorite oh, venue that stands out, or that maybe so one you've not played that you would like to? I've got so many favorite venues, but for so many different reasons. You know, like really, I couldn't I couldn't pick one. You don't believe when musicians get together; they always like oh, tend to reminisce about the complete catastrophe gigs. You know, um, <laughs> so I don't know favorite venue. Um, one that I was proud of having played and also kind of had a quirky story. And it was the Roxy in Los Angeles, um, which is a kind of a big room, you know, next to the old rainbow, rainbow bar and lounge with, um, where all those seventies, which is where Lemmy used to hang out. He used to have his breakfast yeah, in there. Right. I think I'm not sure. Played the but I was staying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I went in there. The weird thing is it's Lou Adler's son owns it. Lou Adler, kind of a famous producer from that way, wasn't he? And uh, I was staying in some place off Sunset Strip or something. I looked at the map and I thought, the rocks is not far. I fancied a walk. So I walked. But of course, it's a really long, it's a lot. As I walked from (laughs) West Hollywood up there, and it's kind of cool because you go past like the, you go past all these 
famous venues, you know. Because on that strip, the, where they, I mean, they're all on the same corner. What was that one? The door started out on the corner that I can see it. I can't. Yeah, right. Can't. But you've gone up a slight hill to the Roxy, and I walked. And as I got, I was walking up the pavement, you know, and with a with, with a, everyone looking at me suspiciously because no one walks there. I mean, they're driving past. It's just like the it's the homeless and me. And I got a guitar, and I was I put everything in a suitcase on wheels, you know, like an airport kind of thing. So I was going up the up the up the, up the sidewalk to the, the slight incline past the tube, the rainbow. No, not what the hell was that venue called? I don't know. We got that the house of blues on this side, and you're going up right. and on on the marquee of the Roxy. That's a big place. It had my name. And outside there was this guy with a baseball cap on. He looks at me. He goes, "Are you James Harris?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." How'd you get here? You know, why you get a, you know a taxi or something? No, I just fancied a walk. He goes, fuck, you're the first person to, to play who's ever walked here. <laughs> you're, you're English, aren't you? So, well, <laughs> he goes, do you fancy a cup of tea? He goes, yeah, yeah. So he took me into the Rainbow Room next door and uh, he cooked me, he put the kettle on, have a seat. So I sat in one of these little Norgahide booths they've got there, surrounded by pictures of like Lemmy and, you know, Keith Richards and everybody else who hung around in there, Slash and that, that. And he comes, he puts me in, you want milk? I was like, oh. So I said, oh, that's very nice of you. Uh, you work here? He goes, no, 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 I'm, I can't remember his name. He's Lou Ad- He's Mr. Adler, you know. He goes, no, I, I own this place and the place next door. I'm going, oh, God, you know, you, you know, I should be making you <laughs> He's making me a cup of tea. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so then he took me to the dressing room. We sat, we had a really nice chat. You know, you sit in the dressing room, there's pictures of, you know, the sex pistols and, you know, sitting in the same place. And uh, uh, Bob Marley, I think, had played there. Was his pictures. It's like kind of this historic kind of venue. And uh, I managed to play there. So and get a cup of tea. So then, <laughs> that's that's one of them. But apart from that, I mean, there's I don't know. There's I mean, I wouldn't say it's my favorite venue. Um, that's I got to, the sub rows are in Dortmund. There you go. As as good as the rocks in LA, easily. <laughs> I don't know about the tea, but but I mean, the tea's for the wedding, right? That's the you know. I drink coffee and sub rows. in the cake. Yeah. <laughs> How about a go-to karaoke song, James? Are you uh, uh that Elvis? I, I've never done karaoke, I don't think. I, 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 but it'd have to be Elvis, definitely. Uh, and probably, probably if I was forced to, probably Suspicious Minds, just because of the, the backing vocals. They get me every time. It's quality as well, think, right? You know? Caught in a trap, I think that, you know. And it's the kind of thing that yeah. everyone probably knows. The people, oh, yeah, no. You know, it's that, I think I think that would, um, yeah, I'd belt that out, karaoke. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great it's a great song, and I'm actually reading Bobby Womack's uh, autobiography at the moment, and uh, uh-huh. there's a bit in there about all the kind of famous people he's met and all that kind of stuff. And one of them's Elvis, and of course they met him down in he was recording in Muscle Shoals. Bobby Womack was, and mm-hmm. they heard that Elvis wanted to meet them, so he'd hung up. Uh, Bobby Womack had got together with these other musicians, as it were, and he was kind of a bit suspicious. Uh, to to pardon the pun, but he was a bit suspicious of it all. And they heard Elvis was coming there, mm-hmm. and of course this was in his in his pomp with uh, when he's making all the movies and Colonel Tom Parker's fleecing him and all that stuff, and he's he's just in a completely uh-huh, yeah. different planet to everybody else. But he is the most famous man in the planet, right? Other than the Beatles, it was it sure. was Elvis. So he said he came in and he he bought everybody breakfast and lunch and as much booze as they wanted and all that stuff. And he said he was a really nice guy because he was really he just thought yeah he's. Okay, Bobby Womack at the time was famous in the, in this sense or in this circle mm-hmm. of musicians and 
being Sam Cooke, being his mentor and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then, then Elvis is a different level of fame and he was just really kind of sceptical about the whole, yeah, he's, he's full of shit, right? But he actually once... It's only a short bit in the book, but he gets to the point where he says, "Yeah, he was a he was a good dude." So there we go. That wouldn't surprise me because it was you know a different time. He was he was the first person to do it. I think he was a he must have been a massive music fan, a music who'd loved musicians. I, I get the same thing. Not that I've ever met Keith Richards, but taking Keith Richards apart, I can imagine sitting down with Keith Richards and and having a cup of tea, maybe <laughs> spicy or something, <laughs> and just chatting about music and not being and right. not being. Like in such, oh my God, it's fucking Keith Richards. You know, I, I think you could probably sit down and have a chat about stuff with him because I think he'd be interested because he's a music fan. And I think Elvis, I think would have probably been the same, you know, and Bobby, he'd have respected him. He'd have known who he was. Both musicians, both music fans. That doesn't really surprise me so much. Bobby Womack and the group that he was working with at the time, these other session guys, they wrote in the ghetto and they wrote, I can't remember two or three other ones, but these were the songs that they came up with at that time for Elvis. Cause he said the songs that Elvis pitched to himself were of a different kind of quality. <laughs> they were not the best, yeah. you know, like the songs he'd written, he just said they were, he was nice. He just said, yeah, they were okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he had the voice. Aye, right, who should we be listening yeah. to then, James? Who's someone uh, to put on our, on our radar? Uh, again, I mean, tons of great music at the moment, isn't there? But just this, this last week or so, I, in fact, yesterday, I, I stumbled across um, an Israeli singer called Noga Erez. She's like doing this kind of hip hop, but I think she's come from a sort of a jazz background, but doing electronic music. And I just saw some live session of hers that was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> it's like really, really amazing. Last week or so, there's a, a singer from London put out a record that seems to be getting a lot of attention at the moment. It's Arlo Parks. There's a, I heard the song. It's like Carolina. There's another one called Green Green Eyes or something. Dark Eyes. It's like a really, really, really great, great sound, great voice. I I, I loved it, you know. But from around here, probably the last concert I went to see this just sounds awful. It was last January. It's a year since I've been to see somebody else's concert. Right before I went on tour, because there was a whole bunch of shows in February, but I was, you know, I was playing. I couldn't see any. Was a Slovak singer who lives in Prague called Katazia. Uh, starts with a K. Katazia. I don't. Know, I don't think that's her name. I'd seen her a couple of. I'd seen her once before at a festival that I was playing at. But only kind of, she was on the other stage, and I, I, I caught a little bit of her set, and I, I'd heard someone say, "Oh, you got, you got. If you can, go listen to her. She's great." And I kind of walked past, and I was like, ah. "But I went to see her in January, and oh, she was great. I mean, just, like just, just the full package, you know. Like really, I, I, I didn't really have to understand what she was singing about. I just, I just really enjoyed it. So that's my just local tip from here." And I mean, loads of other stuff. I mean, people sending music left, right, and center. It's actually, the stranger, the gig I went right before then, and it wasn't that long before then, was um, Courtney Barnett. She's from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. And I remember listening to some song, Avant Garden or something about, you know, asthma or something. I just thought it was great. And then I heard another song of hers about moving house. Depreston, it's called, because Preston is a <laughs> neighbourhood in Melbourne, and the song is called Depreston. And it's just this little kind of 
perfect kind of snippet of something. It's like one of those perfect songs that I think Guy Garvey from Elbow was quite good at that kind of conjuring up a story out of nothing. There's some song of like so Jesus. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was a Rochdale girl was an Elbow song. I don't know, I'm getting yeah, off track, right. but it, it kind of reminded me of, of that kind of same thing, you know, um, just you can make a whole song out of a, an off-coloured duvet or something, you know, like the, the real, it takes a lot of skill <laughs> to, to write something that, that kind of perfect, you know, and, uh, and she, I, I, I totally fell in love with that gig. It was great. And she played to Preston, which uh, cheered me up no end. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> People asking me uh, who should I, you know, they ask me the same kind of question, and it might be someone else tomorrow. It just depends what kind of mood you're in, or you, you've heard something for the first time, or you've reheard oh, yeah, something. I mean, it's just I said, say, I, I mentioned this Noga Erez. I'm not even sure that's how you pronounce the name. N O G A. I, I, I've, someone sent me a link. Said, listen to this, and it was just this live, uh, two songs live, surrounded by. Uh, they look like playing in a greenhouse or something, surrounded by lots of potted plants. And I was like, wow, I've never heard of this. She actually had, I looked, she's got like you know, 2 million views on YouTube. So, so I should have heard, should have known who she was, I guess. This isn't like You're some like, complete. <laughs> I, I, she's, she's kind of popular, but um, that was brilliant, you know, and I'd never heard of her until yesterday. You know, that's, you know, and maybe tomorrow someone will send me some other link. Of someone world famous, who I never right, was. <laughs> well, also, I was talking to a friend last week because that's the other thing. I go, I try get get out of the house and go for long walks and try call connect with people and call people. As a friend, I was talking to last week, and he was God. I just listened to about twenty new records a week. It's like really, Man, I, I I find like this Arlo Parks thing. I listen to it and then I listen to it again and again before I go and you know I'm not listen to one album once and then and then get rid of it. It's just too. I mean, I sound like a grumpy old man. I'm not being grumpy or I'm just maybe being old, but I was just going, but, you know, <laughs> were you asking me what I listened to, my influences were, and I'm like, I'm trying to find, I'm, I'm looking at album covers, imagining what it sounds like, you know, having heard like one song off this band, they're going, oh, this, look at the album, look at the artwork, oh, and you listen, oh he's playing bass. It might sound like this, but I, I don't know. Now you just go Spotify, boom, you know, while you make a cup of tea. But I remember being it's done, introduced right? yeah. for some reason, yeah. For the second time in as many days, someone's mentioned Elliot Smith, who I uh, I thought was great. But I remember the first time I was ever introduced to him, someone gave me a cassette. It was like a it was a cassette with the the cover had been photocopied, you know, but I couldn't see his name on it. And down the spine, it was um, Kill Rock Stars, which was of course the record label from Portland, I presume. Yeah. But I I didn't know this. I didn't. There was no Google to go. Who the hell is? I thought it was the name of the act the guy, the band, I had no idea. You know I mean, <laughs> I just put this cassette on and was like, oh, this is cool. This is like, you know, I think it was just his second record with like needle in the hay or whatever on it. Uh, oh, this sounds great. But this was mm. actually someone giving me something physical. Listen to this. I think you'll like this. And then taking that away and then just listening to it, like on a Walkman, walking around town, because you know, when you got pockets for two or three cassettes, you know, which is why I, <laughs> right. that's why I like, which is why I like Blonde on Blonde so much because we have my first winter in Prague. But it's so damn cold, you know. And I walk when you have to put it inside because all the batteries run out so quick when it gets so cold, you know. So to put it in several layers, you know, it's a double album on one cassette. <laughs> you didn't have to get yet. You didn't have to turn it over too often, you know. I just wore that out, you know. 
So yeah, I'd listen to things more. And that's how people would give Now people just send me links. And if I'm busy doing something, I'll, I just won't open it. Or I will open it and go, oh, that's great. You know? <laughs> and most times it's like, oh, that's great. Oh, I wish I could do that. Or shit, I should be doing this. Or, you know, like, it's just just constantly bombarded with great music. And so I no doubt will be bombarded tomorrow with someone else. Someone will send me something. Actually, the last time I was in Dortmund, I asked, there was a musician showed up at the end of the gig. Um, I was having a chat with him and he was talking about all these great Dortmund scene from the late 70s and early 80s. But of course, it's like, you know, one thirty in the morning, I stood by a bar and the, and the barman, <laughs> the former owner there, he starts putting on all these, oh, James, you've got to listen to this. I'm just putting all these German bands on. Front. And I was like, this is great. This, oh, this is you know, I'll, I'll remember this. Oh, crap, you know, the next time <laughs> I'm in the car, oh, I c- couldn't remember anyone. You know, I just, I, I should have should have made notes, <laughs> you know. And there's bands I'd never even heard of that were that. Oh, that's good, you know. I have a CD that I haven't listened to in years that's the complete works of Satie on uh, on a double. Am I, is it a double CD? Am I allowed to take that? It's a double album. That's about the same thing, right? It's probably like it's three hours Fits long of, of, of gentle piano music. That would that'd be quite nice on a desert island, wouldn't it? Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> Something long, blonde on blonde, that's pretty long. I've told you that already. Remember the old days of the Walkman as well. I'm sure Neil Young's probably whining about how great it sounded. <laughs> sounded so much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's an interesting thing. James, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, thanks for taking the time out of your evening to uh, to share it with me. Anyway, thank you oh, so yeah. much for, for, for the invite. It was good to see you. It was good to see you, and uh, take care. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't.findmywayhome on Facebook at Expat Music Pod and of course you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from you'll find us there. Until the next one this is Greg saying cheers. <laughs> <laughs>